Excellent. Thank you. It's cool to be here. Really wonderful to see you all. Uh, lots of faces that I know very, very well and lots of faces that I'm not so familiar with. So that's a good sign, isn't it? Because that speaks of growth. Uh, my wife sends her greetings. Uh, that's Carla. Um, she is singing on the worship team in Portsmouth today. Um, my son, Elliot, he is 14 tomorrow. Um, he helps with the setup every Sunday, so he comes with me at 7 o'clock every Sunday morning to set up at the school over in Portsmouth. My son, Corbin, he's 17. He's playing the drums today over in Portsmouth. And Lola is just loving life. She's six, and she's just in a happy place all the time. Um, and, uh, and I'd like to say my children also send their greetings, but at least two of them have no idea that I'm even here <laughs> this morning. <laughs> so, um, but Carla certainly does send her greetings to you today, and it's wonderful to be with you, wonderful to um, enjoy a time of worship with you. Ellie, you're doing a fantastic job, and Lucy and all the team. Helen is uh, one of the longest-standing members of the worship team in Family Church um, back in the day. Um, when, when did you come to university in Portsmouth, Helen? 2004, and she joined the worship team then, um, so has been involved for 18 years on the worship team. Um, and that was back in the day when I was leading the team in Portsmouth, the worship team, and uh, did that for 11 years and managed to hand it over <laughs> in the end. It's a lot of hard work, you know, isn't it, Ellie? Um, but uh, it's great to be here. I'm going to get straight on with sharing the Word of God with you today. I'm going to talk about the joy of the Lord. And it's a subject that, that I really feel that God um, kind of has been speaking to me since about uh, December of last year. And I'll tell you how we got onto that. But, but since then, I have been very deliberately choosing joy. And, uh, and, and today I want to encourage you, church, let's be a people that choose joy. So um, you have to smile at me a lot today during this message. It's very apt um, for what I'm going to be speaking about. But even if you don't, then I know you've got the joy of the Lord deep, deep, deep down in your heart. Awesome. So uh, what else do I need to say to introduce myself? Nothing else, really. Um, hey, guess what? In Portsmouth, uh, we're just about to hand over the congregation to Sean and Paula Finch. Uh, which I'm very excited about, not because I don't love the congregation, uh, but because um, it just means that, that Carla and I can be involved in uh, more executive things. And I'm yet to work out what that means. I have no idea what being an executive pastor is, um, except um, it involves a whole load of different stuff. <laughs> uh, and in a setup like ours, hopefully it means that I can visit the other congregations a little bit more if the congregational pastors have me back. Um, let's find out, shall we? And, uh, but it also means I'm going to be really involved with Forge Ministries School this September. Uh, I, I've been interviewing people for Forge Ministries School over the last uh, week or so. Done 10 interviews so far. got three more to go. This is a full-time ministry school. runs from 9 till 12.30 every uh, morning of, of the school term. And uh, we're really happy to have Sadie um, on Forge. She's in kids' church, so Sadie's going to be uh, attending Forge from September, which is fantastic. Uh, really great to, to do her interview this week, and, 
Um, she's going to bring a lot of humour to Forge, I think. I mean, I, I've not, I don't know her very well, but I just sense that it's going to be a fun time uh, with the group that we've got. It's absolutely fantastic. Hey, if you don't know what you're doing in September and you've got kind of a year that you're not sure what you're going to be doing, then it's not too late to think about Forge Ministry School. Just throwing it out there. Talk to me or talk to Pastor Steve or Kirsty afterwards. So, as we came towards the end of last year, I made a decision that the joy of the Lord was going to be my strength. And the reason I made that decision, it was because, well, I was sitting there on a Saturday afternoon, and the previous Sunday had been a bit of a nightmare, uh, to be honest. It was, the, the, I think, the first Sunday of December. And you know when, like, you have key people that uh, you, you think you can't live without? in the life of the church. Well, most of them were not there that Sunday morning. Um, and uh, I, I kind of felt a little bit overwhelmed by, by conversations that I had this Sunday morning, um, needs that people had. You know, when you're a pastor um, in any context, um, you, you get involved with people's lives, um, sometimes on a very personal level. And you know, I just felt a little bit overwhelmed by the, some of the needs that people had, some of the circumstances that people were going through, uh, some criticisms that, that were coming my way. Not that God's people are ever critical um, in a negative way, but sometimes, you know, you hear of things. Uh, we had key people away this Sunday morning. You know, when things just don't, I mean, Steve, if you can relate to this, just some things just don't seem to go very well, like, and it happens all on the same day. And... Um, I had little niggles. It was the busyness of, of a Sunday morning. Um, it was an early start, cold winter's day. I hadn't slept well. Sometimes you don't sleep well on a Saturday night. And, and then you have to get up and do the setup or, you know, get ready for, for, for church on a Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, it was a bad Sunday morning. But um, I thought, okay, it's just one off. You know, we're going to have a great Sunday the next week. Well, Saturday, I had text message after text message. Oh, I've got coronavirus. I'm not going to be there tomorrow. Got to work. I'm away. I'm like, oh, no. I'm starting to feel overwhelmed again. And, and suddenly, I felt myself, I, I heard myself saying, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And, and I remember, I phoned um, Pastor Sean, Sean and Paula, and I phoned Sean and, and I said, look, we're going to be really down on team tomorrow morning. It's probably going to be really full on. And, um, and, he's, and he said, okay, uh, you know, he's always like really positive and he's like, we can do this. And I said, yeah, Sean, I've decided that I'm going to choose joy and I'm going to carry joy tomorrow. Whatever happens, however bad it is, even if we don't get the stage set up by the time we have to start the service, I'm, I'm choosing joy, I'm going to carry joy and I'm going to infect other people with the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And, uh, and so... Guess what? It wasn't that bad after all. You know, we got through it, and we've never had a Sunday yet when we've still been plugging things in and setting the stage up when, when Pastor Andy's been trying to start the service. Um, and and, and to, to be honest, embracing this attitude, this, this making this choice that the joy of the Lord will be my strength, it has made all the difference in my life in not just... You know, what I do on Sundays as a, as a pastor, but in all areas of my life. And I just want to encourage you today, if you want breakthrough in your life, um, if you feel like you, you, you're kind of like butting up against things, then perhaps choosing joy will help you to become stronger and help you to get that breakthrough that you need in your life. So that's what we're going to talk about today. 
Um, I, I really believe that we will become a people of breakthrough when we choose the joy of the Lord because his joy makes us strong. And we're going to be talking about where that joy comes from a little bit later on. But uh, when we have the joy of the Lord, we have the strength to keep going until we get breakthrough in our lives. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 8, um, the walls of the city of Jerusalem had been rebuilt and the Jewish people had all gathered together in Jerusalem. So after the exile, uh, some, some of the people went back and rebuilt the temple. Then the walls of the city were rebuilt and, and Nehemiah gathered all the people in uh, in the city, and and they were gathered together, and then Ezra the priest opened the book of the law of Moses. Now, the book of the law of Moses, as you may or may not know, is the first five books of, of the Bible that we uh, have in our hands today, the Torah, the Pentateuch. And Ezra spent the day, the whole day, reading these five books of the Bible, reading the Pentateuch. Um, and and then he had all these Levites around him who helped the people understand what he was reading. So that basically there was a mass all day long Bible study involving tens of thousands of people. Um, and they split into lots of little groups as the, as, as the book of the law of Moses was read. There was this mass Bible study. And at the end of it, the children of Israel reacted in this very interesting way. They began to mourn and weep. Now, that's not what you normally expect, is it, when you do a Bible study? The, I mean, if you're a connect group leader and you do a Bible study and at the end of it, everyone's mourning and weeping, you think, have I done something wrong here today? Uh, and I wonder if Ezra sort of felt that way. But, um, you know, because, and the reason they began to mourn and weep, because they realized by reading the book of the law of Moses, which they hadn't actually opened for a long time, they realized how far they'd strayed from God's way of doing things. So let's read in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. It says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. <laughs> I love that. Drink the sweet. Like, what were they drinking? Any ideas? No? See? Nor me. Mangoes? Mango juice. Mango juice. Drink the mango juice. And send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right? So Nehemiah told them to stop being sorrowful, but rejoice and celebrate. Because God had done a great work of restoration in their lives. The temple had been rebuilt. The city walls were now rebuilt. Despite attempts of the enemy to stop this restoration, all things had been made new. Isn't that wonderful? They were in this place of it's a new start for God's people, having returned from exile. This remnant of people who had a heart for God, they'd, they'd read, they'd, they got the scriptures open again, and, and they turned their hearts towards God. And Nehemiah says, now stop being sorrowful. Yeah, you have strayed from God's ways, but, but in order to move forward... Um, don't, don't kind of focus on, on, on how far away from God you've gone, but focus now on celebrating and rejoicing because you are back on track. And I think that's so important to remember. And it's so important that we celebrate with those who get back on track. Yeah? 
So this restoration happened because of God's grace, not because of the people had obeyed God's law. And that's really important there as well, is, is that th- this whole thing, that the temple, the walls, the people being regathered in Jerusalem, it had not happened because the people had obeyed God. All they'd done is turn up, really. Uh, and then the book of the law was open. They realized how far away from God they'd got. It was all about his grace. By God's grace, he brought this amazing work of restoration all things made new. Amen. So the children of Israel were reminded that day that their daily strength would come from rejoicing in the goodness of God, not mourning about their inabilities. And when our focus is on our inabilities and failures, we become weak, don't we? We become weak. I'm reading this book at the moment called Strength Finder. And, and it just, it, it's stuff that we all know really. It, 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 but it's talking about how important it is to focus on people's strengths and, and actually how people soar with their strengths, not try and do better with their weaknesses. Uh, the more time you spend on your weaknesses, you only get so far. But when you spend time investing into your strengths, you can soar. Um, and it, this whole thing here that the, the children of Israel Israel went through. It reminds me of the amazing restoration of when a person comes to Christ. So, you know, a person's first reaction often, I'm sure it may have been yours, uh, when you you get to know how Jesus took your sin upon himself on the cross, is, is often to mourn and weep. You know, it's that repentance, it's that recognizing that you have sin in your life and you're turning your your face away from that now and you're turning your face towards God. And there is this realization that you've been straying, that you've been taking the wrong path. And so, you know, that's often the first reaction is to mourn and weep. This repentance is actually a really important part of, of coming into a relationship with God, isn't it? Because if you don't recognize that you're a sinner and make the decision to turn away from your sin, then you're not going to find a relationship with God. Um, But we're not to remain in this state of mourning and weeping, in this state of repentance. Um, Jesus completed a great work of restoration when he died on the cross. He took the sin of mankind, and the moment a person puts their faith in Christ... um, that they can have a, a perfect relationship with God, that they can come before the living God who is holy and perfect in every way, having been cleansed of all sin in their life. It's not about what we do. It's about putting our faith in Jesus. And of course, then we realize that, that as we put our faith in Christ and we recognize that he took our sin and that he has um, done this amazing work of restoration in our lives, we want to live God's way. We want to do things his way. And, and it's all about his grace. It's not about us obeying rules, obeying laws. So Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the dead. You know, the enemy tried to stop that, that rebuilding of, of the temple. Remember, Jesus referred to himself. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will rebuild it. And of course, in Nehemiah, the enemy tried to, to stop the rebuilding of the temple and the rebuilding of the city walls. And it was the last thing that the enemy wanted to happen was that Jesus would go to the cross and take the sin of mankind. Um, and he, he died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. You know, Jesus' resurrection proves that there is eternal life, that there is life beyond the grave, that when you put your faith in Christ, you don't just have a relationship God, with God now in this life, but you get to live for eternity in the presence of God. Isn't that wonderful? So Jesus has made all things new. And, and, and the... the 
the new stuff in our lives, the all things new thing over our lives is because of God's grace, not because we obeyed God's law. So it's like the children of Israel. It's important that we remember that our daily strength comes from rejoicing in the goodness of God, not mourning about our our inabilities. All the law did for the children of Israel and all the law does for us is reminds us um, how in our own strength we can't live up to God's perfect standard. Galatians 3 verse 24 says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we may be justified by faith. Justified just as if I'd never sinned. Justified by faith. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So, if you need breakthrough in your life, it's important to remember that you're coming now from a place of victory, from a platform of victory in Christ. Because of Jesus, Total restoration has taken place in your life. And you may not see the full evidence of it yet, but keep believing. Keep going after him. Keep worshipping Jesus. Because the more you set your face on what he's done, rather than, trying to, uh, rather than focusing on your inabilities, then the more you will see the breakthrough in your life. Through Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, he has made total restoration available to you and me. Isn't it wonderful that God's arms are wide open to us and the blessings of God's kingdom rain down upon us the moment you put your faith in Jesus. You've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. So, let's be people who focus on what God's done through Christ. And that brings joy in our, into our lives. That brings strength to our lives. Now, the devil wants to steal your joy. Remember in John 10, verse 10, one of the most quoted verses, I'm sure, uh, Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. Okay? So there is a very real enemy, and his uh, his desire is to steal and kill and destroy. Ephesians 6.11 says that we should stand against the, the wiles or the schemes of the devil. Now, one of the enemy's schemes is to steal your joy. Because if he can steal your joy, you will lose your strength. And, and I look at the church in general, and, and I think, wow, doesn't like religion take away from joy? Doesn't following traditions just take away from, from, from the joy that the God wants us to have? Uh, I'm not saying that all tradition is bad at all. There's lots of really, really good traditions. But when it's all about that, when it's all about following religious rules, then there is a problem there. Um, the devil wants to steal the joy of God's people because when he steals your joy, he will steal your strength and you will become a weak Christian who, who simply sits on a pew on a Sunday morning or a chair on a Sunday morning and, and doesn't actually 
shine the light of God in the world around you. And, and, and I'm, I don't know lots of you. Um, and I think that you're great light shiners. I'm absolutely sure that you are. Um, but let's make sure we are. Let's make sure that we're people who are so filled with the joy of God, that we are so filled with the strength of God, that we really are making a difference in our world. So there's three strategies, well there's probably loads more, but three that I want to focus on today uh, of strategies, schemes of the devil to steal the joy of God's people. Number one is legalism. So if you're trying to religiously please God by living according to rules and regulations, you will be miserable because you will fail. You will be constantly reminded of your sin. That was the old way of doing things, the old covenant before Jesus came and set you free from the law. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that God doesn't have a way of living. There is a very clear way of living when it comes to God's kingdom. But you live that way because of the grace of God at work in your life. Because that you know you've been set free from sin. You know that you've been set free from the law. And now you can live as a child of God because you're part of a new kingdom. There's been an internal change take place in your life. You've been born again. You've become a child of God, and you can do things God's way now in his strength. So the new way is much better, the new covenant, through our faith in Jesus, not through our works. We have been washed clean of sin. We've become new creations, children of God. We've been given the Holy Spirit to to teach us and to empower us to live as children of God. It says in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6, it's not on the screen, it says the letter of the law kills but the Spirit gives life. In Matthew 23, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, the religious leaders, for putting heavy burdens on people who, that were too much to bear. So this is speaking of the religious rules and regulations that they had. And Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for putting these burdens on people. In Galatians 5, the church was rebuked for going back to the rules and regulations of the law, having started so well in the Spirit. And we live in a world where everything is measured, don't we? Everything's measured in this world. Performance, achievement, who can bake the best cake? Um, <laughs> Yet in Christ, we are made perfect before God. There's nothing that we can do that will add to our righteousness. Simply our faith in Christ, our repentance and our faith in Christ is what makes us perfect before God. So when we live the way of the Spirit, there's no striving, there's great joy. And that joy gives us strength. Because the Word of God says the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Romans 14 verse 17 says... For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. In other words, not following all these rules that they were getting so bound up with. But the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. You know, if you're a child of God's kingdom, then then these are some of the attributes that, that God wants to be displayed in your life. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There are people here whose journey with God has been stopped by sin. You've become stuck on something that you did, something that you've got wrong or maybe are are getting wrong in your life and you're in a place of constant sorrow in your life, forgetting that your sin has been forgiven. 
And if you stay in this place of sorrow, you will never move forwards and never take, take hold of the breakthrough that God has for you. King David found himself in a place of mourning and sorrow because he had messed up big time. Remember Bathsheba and he committed adultery with her. Then he had her husband killed on the front line of the battle to try and cover it all up. It it was absolutely uh, mad what he got involved with. But then he took hold of the joy of his salvation and he regained strength in his life. And it says in Psalm 51 verse 12, this is part of his prayer that he prayed um, after all this happened. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Isn't that great? What a great prayer to pray because David knew that if he stayed in this place of sorrow and mourning, he would be stuck. He would just be stuck where he was and not move forwards. <clears throat> and, and, and for those of you who feel like you're stuck because you've, you've, you've messed up, you, you've got things wrong, maybe you're living in an area of, of sin at the moment and you just know that, that and it's just messing your mind up. You, you, you're kind of like, I can't move forward from this place. Well, I want to say to you, it's time to move out of a place of sorrow and into joy. Jesus has dealt with your sin. And he will give you the ability and the strength to, 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 uh, to make the right decisions, to, to make right choices that will bring you into a better place. As the joy of God's salvation fills your heart, you'll live according to his spirit and not according to the law, and you will become strong. Amen. Second thing, second strategy of the devil, to take away your joy is regret. The children of Israel, God's people, were constantly held back by regrets. When they left Egypt and began traveling towards their promised land, they started to regret leaving their old life. This made them miserable. And it made them lose the strength that they had when they had miraculously been delivered out of Egypt from the land of slavery. They ended up in the wilderness for 40 years because they kept looking back. They kept regretting what what they'd done. In Nehemiah 8, the people's first, that we read earlier, the people's first response to hearing the law of Moses read was regret. It led them to mourn and to weep. They would have stayed in this place of mourning if Nehemiah hadn't told them to rejoice because actually take your eyes off of what you've got wrong and put it on what God has done. Yeah, Lot's wife, she looked back, regret, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Her breakthrough was immediately halted. When you allow regret to fill your heart and you get stuck, you get stuck looking back. That's what happens. You allow regret to fill your heart, you get stuck looking back. You, you just can't move forward. You want to, you know what you're meant to do, but you just feel weak and powerless to move forward. Your heart's full of sorrow and you have no strength to move forwards. And none of us can change the past. You can't rewind the clock. But we all have a future of various lengths. But we all have a future. And God wants you to run the race that is set before you with strength. Because the truth is that if you have breath in your lungs, you have a purpose of God for your life. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, God has a purpose for your life. But if you're looking back all the time, you'll never take hold of it. Hebrews 12, you might know this scripture, verses 1 to 2. Therefore we also... 
since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you know, those who have gone before us, those people of faith who have gone before us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus he, he lifted his eyes up to see the glory of what would be achieved through, uh, through, what, through the cross and everything. The joy that was set before him. You know, it's time to lay aside the weight. Lay aside every weight in the sin. It's time to lay aside the weight of regret in our lives and focus on what Jesus has done. And as you do, I believe that you will become strong because the joy of God will fill your heart and you'll run your race and you will see breakthrough. All those obstacles, all those things that have just constantly been in the way that you feel like you've been too weak to, to, to kind of tackle, you're just suddenly going to have the strength to keep running and run well. God wants to give you the oil of joy in place of mourning in your life. Come on, the oil of joy where there is mourning, where there is sorrow, where there's stuff that just burdens your heart. God wants to pour the oil of joy into your life. And the third strategy that the enemy will use to steal your joy is circumstances. Circumstances are unavoidable. Circumstances is stuff what happens. It's, uh, circumstances can rob us of joy. Things constantly happen that take away the joy of our salvation. You know, just when you think everything is sorted, everything's in place. I don't think I've ever been there. But, you know, just when you think everything is going the right direction, um, something happens that takes away your joy or, or challenges your joy. You know, I shared about how I felt overwhelmed one Saturday afternoon, one Sunday morning. I realized I'd become focused on my circumstances rather than on the grace of God. When you think about the grace of God, joy just comes. You can't help it. It just comes. But when you're so focused on what's going on around you, your circumstances, things that aren't right, people that aren't behaving right in your life, and all that stuff, it just, it can crush you. It can take you down. Psalm 23, Though I walk through the valley of the, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's what it says. So in Psalm 23, we see that circumstances, mountains, uh, can sometimes be like mountains. We feel overshadowed. We feel overwhelmed by the circumstances that we're going through. We find ourselves in this dark valley, uh, this valley of darkness. Uh, But the psalm says we walk through the valley. We don't make camp in the valley. And I think that's really important too. Don't remain in the valley. Keep going. Keep going even when it feels overwhelming. Keep going even when it feels like the circumstances are just so overshadowing your life, so overwhelming. Keep going because as you keep going, you know where you're heading, don't you? You're heading into the light. You're heading out of the valley and into the light of God. So, so the enemy wants you to stay in darkness and you'll become weaker and weaker if you stay in that place. And, and, and I think sometimes you know, things happen in people's lives and they just are overwhelmed. And they just stay in that valley of darkness. 
and they never come out of it again. And I just want to encourage you, keep going. Even though circumstances may make you feel like you're hemmed in on every side, keep going. Keep. I, I, someone about four years ago, um, they, they tragically lost a family member. And I, I remember very, very clearly having this picture um, of, of God just reaching down his arm into the valley, offering it to them. And, and they were in a place at the time where they didn't even want to take God's hand. But since then, they have taken God's hand and God has lifted them up out of the valley. And we're seeing breakthrough come into their lives again. It's vital that we reach out to God in those times. This is my literally my favorite verse in the Bible until I'd quote another favorite verse. Um, Micah 7 verse 8 says this. Micah 7 verse 8. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Isn't that great? Don't rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. Come on. I will arise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. So when circumstances overwhelm your life, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Habakkuk of coffee. Three verses. I can't say it without saying that. Sorry. Habakkuk of coffee. Three verses 17 to 19 says. Though the fig tree may not blossom. Do you know actually when I'm on this. I probably said this last time. <laughs> um, do you know it's biblical that men make the tea? Because Hebrews. Okay. So. <laughs> So Habakkuk, 17 to 19, chapter 3. Though the fig tree may not blossom, thank you, Aki, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. It sounds absolutely dreadful, doesn't it? Awful. Poor Habakkuk and co. Verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Don't you love that? I will joy. Like, what is I will joy? I will joy. I'm going to joy right now. <laughs> I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. Hills. Okay. So that was Habakkuk's declaration. So legalism, regret, circumstances, they're, they're, they're schemes that the devil wants to use to take away your joy. But very, very lastly, uh, there is one thing that God has available to each one of us that brings joy to our lives. And that is his presence. It says in Psalm 16 verse 11, You, God, will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. God's presence is where we find true and lasting joy. Heaven is the absolute fulfillment of true and lasting joy. It's the absolute fulfillment of, of, of joy. In heaven, there will be no tears shed um, but even whilst we live in this world, we can experience God's joy because we can experience God's presence. God wants you to fit. God wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God Himself. 
God has always revealed himself as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. H2O, ice, water, steam, same substance, different manifestations. God has always revealed himself as the Holy Spirit. And God wants to fill you with his spirit. So God himself wants to fill your life with his presence. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is, is referred to as new wine in, in the Bible. New wine speaks of celebration and joy. We have a constant supply of new wine available from God that will bring great joy to our lives. All you have to do is let God fill you with his Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. That says in Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine under the influence of alcohol, but be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit brings this satisfaction, this fulfillment, this, this absolute assurance. Um, the, it, the Holy Spirit brings the love of God into our hearts in, in a, such a full way. There is nothing like the presence of God. In Acts 2 verse 13, the disciples were accused of being drunk with wine. They were simply filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you let legalism and regret and circumstances weigh you down, rob you of your joy, when all that's happening, maybe turn your eyes to the Lord and ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit because in his presence is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of God, God brings strength to our lives, strength for breakthrough. You know, I don't know what you're facing in your life at the moment, but God wants to bring strength to your life, strength for breakthrough into your life. Wow. Like what an amazing thing that you can take hold of the joy of God simply by being filled with his spirit. And when you are, you will become strong and, and, and you will be able to, to run through a troop and leap over a wall simply because God is with you. Amen? So, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Philippians 4 verse 4. So I thought we'd finish by singing a round today. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> so over here we're going to start rejoicing the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord. We're not going to do it really. Steve, Steve's like looking at me like, no, Stu, please don't. <laughs> but it would be fun, wouldn't it? Maybe that's something we can do when we eat our cake later. Uh, so, let's just pray. Father, for every person uh, within my hearing today, Lord, I pray that you would become our strength because your joy fills our lives. And your joy comes simply by having your presence in our lives. Thank you, Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Lord, let us be a people that are filled with your presence. I pray for everyone who is facing obstacles in their lives, who is facing really difficult circumstances at the moment. I pray for everyone, Lord, who just feels overshadowed by circumstances at the moment. Lord, I pray for everyone who is living in regret at the moment. I pray for those, Lord, who have been trying to live according to rules and laws and it's brought such a heavy burden upon their hearts. Lord, I pray that your strength would come right now. Lord, that you would just wash our lives with your joy. 
Wash our lives with your presence, God. Thank you, Lord, that today is a new day. You've made all things new. You've done a total work of restoration. And today, in Jesus' name, is a new day. I speak it over your life. I speak it over your life. In Jesus' name, you're going to take hold of the joy of the Lord like you've never taken hold of it before. People are going to want to be around you because you carry joy. You choose joy. And I just challenge you, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I've tried that before. I've tried it and it just hasn't happened for me. Just keep choosing joy keep choosing joy because joy is coming. Breakthrough is coming in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never uh, made your peace with God, then today you have the opportunity to do just that as well. You know, you might be visiting today. You may have been coming for a few weeks, uh, but you've never said a prayer that, that allows you to Say sorry to God for your sin and put your faith in Jesus. And if you've not done that before, then I'd like to pray this prayer with you now. The truth is that Jesus took the sin of mankind upon himself on that cross. Um, But freedom from sin and and, and freedom to, to live in God's kingdom and become a child of God doesn't come unless you choose Jesus. Unless you say, Jesus, I believe that you did that for me. So right now, let's just pray this prayer and... uh, just uh, bow your heads again please and just close your eyes and just repeat after me please church everyone together say dear father I accept that I cannot live up to your perfect standard and I repent of my sin thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin I believe that you forgive me and make all things new I surrender to you and want to take your path for my life. So please fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to live a life that honors you. Amen. So just uh, just keep your heads bowed just for a minute. If you prayed that prayer today, you've just made an amazing decision. You've just made your peace with God. When you stand right now you stand before God fully loved and accepted by him you've always been loved by him but now you're fully accepted by him as well you can step into God's presence and know that he doesn't see uh, sin or anything that that doesn't match up to his perfect holiness he just sees a person who comes to him through Jesus who has now been washed clean of all the old life of all the sin And you can stand before the holy, perfect God that God is, knowing that you're loved and accepted. Praise God. So if you did pray that prayer today, and that's the first time you've done that, would you just do one more thing? Just raise your hand. Perhaps you've been walking away from God. Thank you. Perhaps you've been walking away from God. Thank you. That's two hands. Wonderful. Thank you. Anyone else? Just prayed that prayer today. You've made your peace with God. This is a new start for you. This is a brand new start for your life. Anyone else? Oh, my word. This is wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. This is a brand new start. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Let's lift our heads, eyes, hands. (laughs) 
Uh, that's me done today. God bless you. Thank you so much. <laughs>